0: I hope that you have found the last couple of weeks thought-provoking. I hope you found it challenging. I hope it has caused you, as we've worked through the first few chapters of Romans, to, to really dig into the Scripture. I know that the Holy Spirit has found you there if you've been willing and you've been open. Two weeks ago, we went through the idea of the depravity of man. And we talked about how sin has entered into everything that we have our thoughts, our actions. It has touched every corner of our life. And then last week, we talked about justification. By grace, through faith, because of the work of Christ on the cross in our place and for our sins, we are declared, legally declared, righteous and just. Before our holy God because of the work of Christ. That, was, that got us all the way up to the end of chapter 5. As we start today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. It's going to be the entirety of chapter 6. We're going to talk about new life. We're talking about sanctification in Jesus. Just a reminder. Everything from chapter 1, verse 1, up to chapter 6, verse 23, is fair game. And there's going to be a phone number up on the board back behind us where you can text in questions or thoughts. Jacob Bell was going to be receiving those texts. And a couple of times, maybe more throughout our discussion, Jacob's going to bring some of your questions up to us and we will include them here. If we do not get to your particular question, don't fear. It's not because it wasn't worthy. It's just because we ran out of time. And when David Hannah gets off vacation, I'm going to hand him those stack of cards and say, do your job. (laughs) All right. And He will answer those questions through video or through email or in some way, shape or form. Every question is meaningful and we want you to understand the text. We're going to be doing it through question and answer. And here in just a minute, I'm going to be asking the rest of the panel to come up. But before we get there, let's go ahead. I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the Holy Word. Now the whole text is chapter six today, but I'm just going to be reading verses five through eleven. Romans 6, verses 5 through 11. For if we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who who has died... Is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all time, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In Christ Jesus. So you. You. Consider yourselves dead to sin. And alive to God. King Jesus thank you for your sacrifice on the cross in our place. And for our sins. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And for justifying us God through your work. Open our hearts and our ears and our minds to what we are called to, who we are called to be as the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to go ahead and invite Miss Catherine Bell and Mr. Jason Dukes up here with me. Guys, anybody want coffee? You want some coffee? All right. Jacob Bell's got you. All right, well, if you haven't noticed already, Catherine Bell and Jacob Bell, yep, that's the same last name. Catherine is Jacob's lovely wife. They just celebrated their one-year anniversary today. That's right. About 9.15, I called Jacob Bell, dude, where are you? What's going on? Catherine's supposed to be on stage. And he was like, we're celebrating our birthday. We're still having breakfast. I was like, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Um, Catherine has served in ministry at Trevecca Nazarene serving young women. Um, walking alongside them as they have worked through life's difficulties and life's joys. And she has a heart for young women and for young children, and she has faithfully served in that capacity for some years now. I asked Catherine, what is the one thing or a couple of things you would like me to say in your introduction? And she said, I love everything that has to do with Mexican food. So that that is an amen right there. I, too, love Mexican food. Jason Dukes our multiplication minister at the Brentwood campus and our family of churches. I don't know how long you've been working full-time in ministry, but I know it's been some time now as you work to plant churches and to grow healthy churches here and locally and around the world. um, It's great ministry that you've done. And I didn't have to ask you, um, it's quite clear. His one love other than Jesus is Duke basketball. I don't know if it's a name or if it's because they're like the best basketball team around, but Duke basketball is his thing. So, Guys, thank you for being here.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Um, Let's get started. Sanctification in its simplest form. How would you define the word sanctification, Kat?
2: I think sanctification can be a little bit of an intimidating word uh, for a non-seminarian like myself. Um, But in its simplest form, I would say sanctification is growth in, in likeness to Christ. So becoming more and more like him.
1: It's right. good. Yeah, I think I would. Uh, the only thing I would add to that is the word that's used in the text here that is typically translated. That it it really speaks to dedication and loyalty. It speaks to a a complete submission and dedication to someone, and so um, and a loyalty in the sense of the my life, my purposes begin to be about loyalty to that one instead of loyalty even to myself.
0: Nice, nice. So, so last week we talked about justification and we made the mention that that, that was all the work of God. Like that was His doing. Mm-hmm. Sanctification has a cooperation between man and God. So we are working in conjunction in sanctification, moving from sin towards Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. Yes? We'd agree with that? So so here's a question for you. Where does repentance and forgiveness come into play here, Jason? <laughs> Well, I think
1: repentance is involved in that we rethink, which is kind of what that word means. I mean, we rethink um, and 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 our position, and we willingly submit to someone that has declared himself a good king, and multiple prophets and teachers have affirmed that. And so, we willingly we think, okay, it's worth surrendering to repenting of. Of, of a lordship that I hold, and repenting and surrendering, rethinking, willingly submitting to his lordship.
0: Catherine, what do you think?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think I look back at Romans three, nineteen and twenty, and it says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since the law Come, since through the law comes knowledge of sin and so I think that um, as we begin to move towards um, a more sanctified place that um, that knowledge produces a change within us um, and that, that becomes a, a journey, an ongoing journey of repentance um, moving closer and closer to Christ.
0: Yeah, so a repentance uh, turning from mm-hmm. myself as Lord. And a submission to Jesus as Lord and an, ask, an actual ask for forgiveness from the Father. And it's an ongoing a cooperation between man and God yeah. as we work towards Christ's likeness. Mm-hmm. All right. The passage I just read a second ago at the very end was verse 11. So I don't know if it's up there or not. It doesn't need to be. But in, in that passage, Paul says, you must consider yourself dead to sin. All right. I don't know about you but I'm I'm still sinning, man. And yeah. I am a believer and I know I'm justified, but how do I what does death to sin mean to you, Jason?
1: Well, I think first of all, it doesn't mean like what you just said. It, I don't I would suggest it doesn't mean that I don't sin anymore. But I think as Paul is trying to describe here, it means that's not who's reigning in my life anymore. I'm I've I've, I've died to a life where the king was the one that in self-absorption moved me to sinfulness. It, I've died to that life. I'm now trying daily to deny myself and submit to the mission of God. And and so I, I think as, as crazy as it sounds, it's like um, how as a kid and as a teenager, I always made better decisions when I was with my dad. Right? Or with my mom. It, it's... It's not a for Jesus life or a for God life. It's this constant reminder that I am now living with jesus and and I think that's really important in processing
0: this that's good that's good. you have anything to add to death to sin
2: yeah, I think that I think along with that um a big key here is looking at what has power over our life so um at this point we're no longer ruled by sin like that is not the um most significant power but instead it is a love for christ and a growing love for him and so in that um although we will still struggle and be tempted and um right we're still human and we're still in a broken and fallen world but um our love for christ can begin to grow in such a way that it reduces the um the attractiveness to that sin, right? We we would rather please Him and and become closer and closer to Him rather than um, to 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 give into the fleshly desires and um, and whatever that might look like. Okay, yeah,
0: that's great. So, so how do I do that? <laughs>
1: well. Um... I mean, I think if we knew the pat answer or the silver bullet answer to that, we'd we'd probably have several books on the bestseller seller list or whatever. But um, as simple as it sounds, I really think it is about remembering whose I am and who is with me. You know, the fact that the Father would name His Son God with us is so remarkable, and. You know, I, I I can I I can do like like I'm a. I grew up in New Orleans and and I remember a one year the Saints uh, back before they were good. Um, <laughs> I wore the Aints bag like everybody used to wear bags <laughs> in their heads that said Aints and and um, I remember they led the league in dropped passes and and Times Picayune the newspaper a reporter came to the wide receivers coach one time and asked him, so what are you guys going to do uh, to quit dropping the ball so much? And he could have said a lot of things, but he was very quick and very uh, trite in his answer. He said, we're just going gonna to focus on receivers that catch the ball. <laughs> and you think about it, it right? Ball. Like, like you, If all we do is focus on not dropping the ball... We typically drop the ball, right? And but if if I can focus instead on, as 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 Catherine just said, like we focus on someone has caught the ball and we get to live with him, the one who never drops it, and you know, the, and so this idea of always living in his presence of of recognizing that is my reality that's as Jacob said earlier that's what faith is that's why it pleases him because I'm believing I'm in his presence at all I'm believing he is with me and and that he's good and and it's that kind of gratefulness that transforms us it's not just my effort you know to 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 be a better person
0: Yeah, I think that as I think about how do I live a life that's dead to sin, uh, knowing myself, knowing yourselves as well as you do, I I have to rely on the power of the Spirit. But I also have to know that in Christ I'm I'm dead to that sin, that the bondage has been broken, that the chains no longer hold me down, that I now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to beat that, to not sin. I can, I can do that now. And my life in Christ, therefore, turns towards bearing fruit, which we're going to get into in just a second. I remember as, as, uh, as I sit here and think about your, your illustration of the saints, Mike Glenn, who loves Oreos, who's the pastor at the Brentwood campus, will walk in the kitchen and say, you know, when I'm on my diet, don't eat an Oreo, don't eat an Oreo, don't eat the Oreo, don't eat the Oreo. What's he thinking about? All he's thinking about the is the Oreo. Instead of eat the apple, eat the banana, do produce the fruit. And I think that is one of the ways that we can you know, walk away from here and go, instead of focusing on don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, do good, bear fruit, walk with Jesus, focus on him. Uh, you know, there's some great questions that have, that have come in here. Once I have given my life to Christ by faith, Is sanctification required for my salvation? Once I have given my life to Christ by faith, is sanctification required for my salvation?
1: I would suggest no, and it's just because of what's written in the text. I mean, look at verse uh, 19. He says, I'm using a human analogy because of the weakness of your flesh. In other words, he's jabbing at us, saying, in a a playful way, you couldn't do this on your own, Mm -hmm. right? So he says, for just as you offered the parts of yourselves as slaves to moral impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness, so now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification, Right so I mean the answer to the question is is right there in the text the sanctification becomes the it is the fruit right. and 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 the sanctification where we mess it up and that's where Paul takes this if you keep reading on Romans 7 8 9 and then 10 he starts chapter 10 by saying you guys have missed the righteous purposes of God because you focused on establishing your own righteousness and when you miss the righteous purchases of God, you don't bear fruit. And the bearing of fruit comes because of the salvation. It's this incredible gift that he's about to speak so plainly about that leads to eternal life. It's this incredible gift. That's what compels us as we've been given something so undeservedly, but yet so graciously and mercifully. And it's ours. Like, it is ours. Paul in Ephesians 2, right? You have been saved. And and so this this salvation is ours, and the sanctification becomes the result of the believing of it. I my, my dad used to say uh, he was a Greek professor and pastor for fifty years, and he used to say um, that sanctification is more about belief than behavior. And and that seems odd, right? But the more you process that, you begin to realize. My my behavior will be a fruit of a proper, of a belief that continues to say, no, you know what, Father, you really are good. You really are king. You really are Lord. You really are loving. You really have given these things. And and so I think in that sense, sanctification results because of this salvation that keeps working itself out of, in us and out of us.
0: So our, our conduct is, it's a product of our character. True. So, what we believe is is how we live. Catherine, anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, you know, when we do um, encounter the Lord and and receive Him through faith, that. Just like everybody just said, like, it, as a result of that, we are going to desire him more, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to want to be in his presence. We're going to want to know more about him. We're falling in love with him, yeah. and that's going to change us. And so I think it's just a natural um, response to that being the reality in our lives.
0: Yeah. We have to know, one, that Jesus is risen, and he has defeated death, and that we are found in him. And we have to count that as part of our life. Hmm. It has to be more than just a head knowledge. It has to be a heartfelt, this is really who I am now. Mm-hmm. This is I am part of Christ. and I am in Christ. I am saved in Him. And because of that, I have to yield my body to His teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to live for Him. And in so doing, we are sanctified, more sanctified. Paul talks a lot, I mean, the title in this, the subtitle here in this chapter is New Life in Christ. And that phrase, new life in Christ, I think is so often missed, but yet so very important. What is new life in Jesus Christ to you? How is that different than prior to your regeneration? Regeneration. Catherine. I'll Catherine tackle this one first.
2: Yeah, I think that as we move towards sanctification, it's an identity shift, right? Like we can't um, step into this new life and stay the same. You can't be old and new at the same time. It's a progression. And so um, I think that to speak to this question, we we really begin to just change in every way. Like, we're going to talk in a minute about fruit. And so the fruits that we are producing and embodying begin to shift. Um, everything about us truly become begins to transform to look less like the old, less like the human and the flesh, and more and more like Christ. Um, so with that, we have to be in the Word. We have to be abiding in His presence. Like, to me, that is sanctification. When we're really practicing The presence of God, learning more about him, thus becoming more and more like him, stepping into that new life.
1: Great. That's awesome. That was good. That's great. And it's it's John 15, right? Like you just quoted. I mean, it's John 15, or like you just referred to. And, And, you know, it's the idea that apart from me, you can do nothing. So abide in me, right? Like live, take up your life and your presence with me. And, and, um, and so that. Again, as, as as simple or maybe you think that sounds too simple, maybe someone would say that sounds too mystical, mm-hmm. but, but regardless of the perspective, you know, it is a with Jesus life that we've been called to, and it's actually then living as though with him, as though
0: abiding with him, that is what creates the change. It's the catalyst for that. So does this new life, this sanctification or process of sanctification... Does that mean just stop sinning? Because <laughs> I think a lot of us, when we hear the word sanctification, my, you know, growing up in the church, my immediate thought was be more holy, be like God, don't sin. And I think all I heard mainly was don't sin. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. So is that what we're saying new life is?
2: If only it were that simple. Yeah right? I mean, we're the reality is we're still in a fallen and broken world. We are still going to um, be attracted to things that you could consider to be sinful. I think what really matters here is not just the attraction, but the action. Yeah. So what are we doing? Are we um, longing more to fulfill that immediate desire? Or are we... Truly longing to be more and more like Christ and thus able to begin transforming. That's not to say that we're never going to fall and we're never going sure. um, to give into that temptation. That's where his grace comes in. But also, I think you've got to look at that grace. It's not a cheap grace. Like this is a holy grace. He died for us. And so when we really begin to lean into that, it's going to transform us and it's going to. Um, begin to change our priorities and change what we really want. It's a process. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I think the entirety of the narrative of scripture is full of characters that didn't overcome their sinfulness before they were involved in the purposes of God. But they were wrestling through their sinfulness as they were involved in the purposes of God. And and I think most of us struggle to believe that could be us. Mm-hmm. Most of us, I think, struggle because we think, well, I've got to take care of that first. I've got to get that right. I'm, I'm going to work on me. And, and it's interesting because in, in this text, in Romans 6, several different times, the word that he uses for the, for the handing over and the sanctification reference it's a word that we now in in modern day, we would call someone who helps at a pregnancy a doula it's It's that word and and so it's interesting um, at the and you're gonna you uh, travis can tease me because this is my job right what I'm about to say is what i get got hired to help us think about but but it isn't just because it's my job i get I really believe this that the more we help bring resurrection life into reality for people, the 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 less we will be able to focus on the things that we need to go and act on sinfully. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we overcome it all, all, all right away or, or we all of a sudden now we're not sinning. That's not the point. But it's like we said about the saints. If I we we can get really good, this is what I think the evil one traps us in. We can get really good at trying to be good mm-hmm. and in so doing distract people from the goodness of God. Good. And but when we live a life-giving life of of helping people to look to the goodness of the Father, of the Heavenly Father, you know, when there's so many dads and fathers in our in the world that haven't acted like him. When we help people look to the goodness of God, it changes. If we focus on our own goodness, as noble as that sounds, we're still self-focused. It's still very uh, enslaving to a selfishness rather than freeing to to an eternal
0: life or a life-giving life. So if our focus is not, or, or I guess how would we look different then if our focus wasn't stop sinning but rather start living? How would we look different?
2: it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the oreo or about catching the ball right when we um when we shift our focus to that new life it's less about shoot i screwed up again i um i gave into that temptation whatever that may be and more about lord i want more of you i can't do that on my own i'm completely and utterly dependent on you and then as that becomes our focus Like, that alone, if you really stop and think about that, what love. Mm -hmm. And we are invited and pursued to be in that, to be all in. And that is going to change us. That's going to allow us um, to really step into that new life and to break away from the slavery of the broken. um, Because the reality is we simply can't do it on our own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot about uh, where where I think in in the questions that we talked about. It's, we're moving toward this idea of fruit. It really is about defining fruit and defining holiness and defining abundant life in a, in a way that includes me and others, not just myself. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, you know, Jesus, so even the fruit of the Spirit, for example, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, like that was a song when I was growing up. And, uh, uh, you know, even all of that directs itself to others, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I don't just have fruit of the spirit so I can be more loving and you can say, Jason, you are so loving. I like, like I, it's not, it's that so that you can be loved, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the righteous purposes of that's what, that's why he's holy because he's the only being that is utterly and always selfless. Yeah. So even his goodness and his work is about, us knowing it right it isn't just about us looking at him and saying you're so good yeah kind of no no it's it's us experiencing that and that's the purpose he's called us into and and so i think when we when we understand fruit we understand new life like that in other words it's new life because i'm freed from having to deal with my own i let me rephrase that I'm freed from having only to deal with my junk, right? Like I, I, I still have darkness and shadow side and, and toxicity and selfishness. And, and, you know, even in my own life, I'll be vulnerable enough to say trauma from my childhood where, you know, where, where it's, it, it has created cycles in me where I've had to constantly remember Mm -hmm. who God is and whose I am because of that. You may be in that boat as well. Like you, like So this isn't about, now I've overcome all of that. It's that he is overcoming, like Drew's saying. It, it, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm in this constant with God life. God always, not looking at me and going, when are you going to take care of that? But putting his arm around me and going, I took care of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I want you to believe that. That's mm-hmm. good. There are so many good questions and we're already out of time. If you had well you have ninety seconds, <laughs> chapter six, what do you think what what would be the one thing you want people to walk away with today?
2: Mm. Come as you are, but don't stay there. Let him transform you. walk in that journey with him. He's good.
1: It's good. Yeah, I wrote mine down so it would be less than 90 seconds. So.
0: She just did it like three. I know, so and I'm, I don't good, think I'm going to top that. I'm uh, not going to top that, that, was, that yeah. one.
1: But. No, I mean, I, I think I would say, and it, it's kind of like this question that was handed to us, right? If if sanctification is not required for salvation, how do I know that my faith was true? And, and it would take longer than 90 seconds to answer that, so we'll let David Hanna do that. But... <laughs> But what I'll say to that question is, the answer to that question is dependent upon how you define sanctification. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if this was the question you texted in, take some time this week and in the coming months to just ask the Spirit to teach you all over again what sanctification really is. Because like you said, I think we were taught moralism mm-hmm. is sanctification, and Proverbs tells us that there is a way that seems right to men, but in the end it leads to death. That's moralism. The nobility of our own effort toward goodness, right? That's the way that leads to death. But a, but a life that, that the new life is not a do or don't do life, not a for God or a for myself life. It's a with God life. It's, it frees us from the chains of what I can do and can't do for God. Free now not to have to focus on my own goodness so that I can love others like Jesus loves me in hopes that they may also discover how good he is. Now, I think that's, the, that's where Paul is moving this. But then he wrestles with some of the questions we've gotten in the next chapter.
0: Yep. right? Which is another discussion next week. Mr. Hannah will be back. Yeah, New life in Christ is, is that gift. Jesus Jesus says, I've already done all the work. Now come spend time with me. Mm -hmm. Let's not focus on what you used to do. Let's focus on what you can do now with me. Mm -hmm. It's so much sweeter Mm -hmm. than prior to regeneration. It's so much fuller because it's with the Son. It's for freedom that you have been set free. Mm -hmm. It's new life. Let's give him thanks. King Jesus, you alone are worthy of glory and honor and praise. And we thank you for your work on the cross in our place and for our sins. Thank you for the free gift of life in you. Help us never, as Kat said, to cheapen your grace. Help us to live in the freedom of your love and not to return to the chains of sin, but to bear fruit. In your faithful and freeing name, amen.